This episode is brought to you by Horse Records. Horse Records has the online platform to record all your data in the one place. Horse Records make it effortless to manage pedigrees, registrations, photos, foal calculators, and much, much more. One horse or 54, Horse Records have you covered. Head to www.horserecords.com to start managing your herd today. From the I just need to take five and just go away and recover. <laughs> Not even high pressure, I don't know the word to describe it. <laughs> From the hey folks, Scotty Keogh here from the saddle. Boy, I tell you what, today's guest, I don't know if I know a, a better character and a guy more worthy of, of a movie made of his life. He's one of the very best saddle bronc riders Australia's ever produced. Now, there's a lot of blokes that can ride broncs that come out of Australia, but there is only seven that have made the national finals rodeo in America. This guy did that all with a few things against him. Now, we're about to meet one of the funniest blokes that ever bucked down the road. We're going to Tamworth today to talk to Adam Newman. From the saddle. From the saddle. How you going, Nugget? Good, mate. How are you? Good, mate. What uh, life after rodeo, Adam? What are you doing with yourself these days? Oh, we got a breaking in business. We break in just racehorses. And, and then I've got a few other things we do on the sidelines. We've got some stud cattle that I sort of took over from mum and dad. And then we got I grow a bit of hay and all that sort of stuff. So you keep yourself busy, mate? Yeah, we do. And uh, married and a little fella? Yeah, married to my wife, Georgia, and she's a camp drafter, and then we've got a little boy, Billy, yeah, and he's six. Yeah, right. Who'd you name him after by any chance, mate? Well, that's a question I get asked a bit, actually, because a lot of people think he was named after Billy Epower, but he wasn't. He was named after Dad, actually. Mate, your dad, Billy Newman, he, he, was, he was a pretty tough bronc rod himself, wasn't he? Yeah, by all reports. Like, I was 15 when Dad was killed, so I'd heard a lot of stories and met a lot of people that rodeoed with him and that, and as kids, the trophies and all that sort of stuff, you know, but in saying that, they never rodeoed like we did, you know, like, you know, they used to just rodeo around here, I think, and then casino, like, probably as further north as they went, and then, you know, Sydney Show was a big thing when they were, when they rodeoed, yeah. Yep. So for the listeners at home that have never met Adam and, and don't know the Adam Newman story, I, I want to say this with the utmost respect, Dad, you're definitely a world-class bronc rider and that in itself is, is an amazing feat, but you did it with a few things against you, mate, like your eyesight is extremely poor, mate. Can you just explain it? Yeah, I was born with a thing called optic atrophy and that was just something, you know, as a kid you were just born with it and... I suppose when you look back, the way we were brought up, you know what I mean, we were never molly-collared or anything like that, you know, just that's how you're born and that's what we grew up with. And I knew nothing different, you know yep. what I mean, whether that sounds silly or, you know, like a bloke said to me once, he said, it must be a huge handicap. And I said, oh, not really. I never looked at it as a handicap because, you know, I was born with it. You know, you knew no different. It wasn't like you'd had a car accident and lost the use of your arm or something like that, you know what I mean? Absolutely, mate. Like, I mean, we've lived together at times and travelled together at times. Never had a car licence? No, no. I, I, 
I remember one time we were driving home from somewhere up in northern Alberta and a bloke called Rod Rimmer said, Adam, you haven't bloody pulled your shift driving. And, I mean, Adam, you never, a lot of people didn't know. And you, you convinced him, said, Rod, while you were asleep, I did pull the midnight shift, okay, and you had him <laughs> convinced that you drove half the way home. Yeah, no, I, I remember that, actually. We had a bit of fun with it, but we never dwelled on it or anything. And like I said earlier, Dad was probably a, just was one of them fellas that that's how it was and, you know, you just got to get on with life. There's a lot of people worse off than, you know, me included, you know what I mean? And your brother Jason, same way with his eyes? Yeah, definitely, yeah. But not your sister? Yeah, definitely. Yep. But, yeah, I, I don't know. That's, you know, we never dwelled on it and just got on with what we had. And in saying that, I had a lot of people that have been really good to me too, you know. Well, you're a very liked bloke, I know that, and when you left the States, a lot of blokes um, yeah, always say, what's Adam doing? Where's Adam these days? So, um, mate, let's start at the start. You and your brother, you're just both good athletes. I mean, I've seen you, we've messed around and played footy in the backyard and things like that, but how did you take up saddle bronc riding? As a kid, I, I was obsessed with rodeoing. As long as I can remember, that's all I ever wanted to do was rodeo. You know, I remember they... Mum and Dad used to take us to a rodeo in town. Actually, it was a pro rodeo in town within 84 and 85. It was when Dave Johnson rode chainsaw. Yep. You know, as kids, I used to, we used to get the, it was sponsored by the Commonwealth Bank at the time, and they used to ride with these Commonwealth Bank signs on their back and so on, and we used to get them, and I can remember asking the competitors for them, and then, you know, we'd go home the next day and go to master and get some cows and calves and put these Commonwealth Bank banners on our back and then make out, well, Dave, Davey Johnson or, you know, Norm Hilton or, you know, the renowned cowboys that rode at the rodeo. And I was just always fascinated with it, you know. Yep. And it's not like we did a lot of pony clubbing and stuff like that when we were kids. It's not like we were introduced to rodeo. It's not like we travelled down the road as kids. We are allowed to go to one rodeo a year and have a calf ride. So we never had a really big introduction to it, but, I don't know, I was, just, I was just fascinated with it from a really young age. Okay, so when did you get to get on a saddle bronc? I got on my first saddle bronc horse at a Tunga, actually. It was a bit of a story. There was a racehorse trainer there and he had a horse that bucked and he rang me and he said, oh, do you want to come and get on it? And I'd borrowed a bronc saddle or someone and I honestly, like I had no schooling or nothing like that, no chaps or anything and I... I remember going down and getting on this horse and it was just in a yard and they put the horse in a corner and then they had a bit of a pickup horse and then they got me on it and then just let it go, you know what I mean? I think the horse threw me off three or four times in a row. How old were you? I would have been 16. So did your mum drive you down there? Yeah, she would have. Yeah, right. So are you older than Jace or younger? I'm younger. Okay, so had Jason made his debut by then? No, not at all. Jason never rode. Then I started probably at 17. I went to Glen Morgan School and then sort of just got started from there and I bought a saddle at the actual school and then and then I probably rode for oh, two years and and then I went practising once down at Fitzsimmons's and Jason come down there and he got on one and then he just sort of started after I did. Yeah, right. So you, you just chip away in the, in the second division for a bit, Ad, before it clicked, did you? Yeah, we chipped away for a while and... When you look back, we probably, we used to go and get on a lot of tryout horses and I, I had the mindset that 
the more horses I got on, the better I get. But it wasn't necessarily the case. I thought now you look back a few years down the track, I ended up with some practice horses, just good, quiet practice horses. And like it was the worst thing you could have done, just getting on tryout horses. You know, it probably put you behind, but that was the mindset you had as a kid. You know what I mean? But then we got practice horses and we ended up with really good horses. And I ended up having horses all my life. Yeah, and I thought that helped me immensely, you know. How old were you when you probably won your first open bronc ride in the bushies? I won my first open bronc ride at a place called Bill Wheel, and it was a CRCA rodeo, and I would have been 18. And then I won my first ABCRA rodeo. It was at Canamble, actually, and I was 18 there, yeah. That would have been a pretty big rodeo, wouldn't it? Yeah, it was big back then. Yeah, all, like all the rodeos are big dust, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, and, and plenty of toughs. Like, who were the guys to beat then? Oh, well, they were... The older blokes were probably there, you know, like Kevin Cooper and Rick Norris and, you know, there was Tony Rain, there was Glenn Peacock, there was Steve Ernest, there was Rick... Galloway. Yeah, Rick Galloway. Like in the bronc riding back then was pretty popular. Like there was nothing to have 30 or 35 bronc riders in ABCRA radio when we were kids getting going, you know. Did you do your season in the amateurs in Canada there somewhere? Yeah, I did a year in the amateurs in the 1994 and then we went over there and I bought my pro card. Well, when I say I bought a pro card, I bought a my CPRA card, which is a professional card, but I only entered the novice, the under-21s. And then, yeah, then we had a year there and then we went to El Paso to the NARC. Well, I used to call them the NARC World Finals and I was lucky enough to win that. And then we come home and then rodeoed when I come home for probably another three years, and then I was sort of humming and hawing about going to America, and anyhow, I just, in 1999, I packed up and went over there, and yeah, I bought my PRCA card. From from there, Nug, was that when you were sort of based around Alberta and sort of got in with Glenn O'Neill? Yeah, I, I look back, I was probably, flew over with Duncan Steelpark, actually, and, and Duncan had bought his card, and we rodeoed around Texas there, and we're lucky enough to live with Scott. And Jane and that, and we sort of stayed there for a while and then we sort of just winged it and we went to Canada and we rodeoed up there a bit in the summer and then Duncan sort of, he didn't want to travel as much as I did and, and I remember in 99, yeah, I got in with Glenn and Rod Hay and I finished the end of the year with them fellas. Yeah, pretty tough crew right there. Well, it was a really good time, you know, as a kid because you couldn't get into a lot of them big rodeos and... I remember Rod Hay and he led the world that year and, you know, his deal was high school buys, you know, like buys dinner and that. And a lot of the times I'd just go to them rodeos because I hadn't had enough money, one, to get into the real big ones. It was just a really good time. Them fellas were really good to me. From the saddle. From the saddle. We all know how hard it can be to keep our finger on the pulse when it comes to breeding season. Horse Records has the solution for us all. Designed and managed right here in Australia, Horse Records is your solution to keep track of everything from performance, vaccinations, worming, pedigree, progenies, registrations and much, much more. Head to www.horserecords.com to start managing your herd today. What year was it when you sort of set up camp over there and did you say, well, 
I'm as good as these blokes, I'm going to have a crack at the NFR. When did you think you were good enough? Oh, I had a really good year in my rookie year. I, when I say I had a really good year, I, of course you weren't allowed in a lot of the, you know, you had to cut your teeth as such. You know, I won 20-odd thousand or probably nearly 30,000 for the year and uh, Rance Bray had won the rookie title that year and I just he just beat me, but he'd won 20,000 out of the winner rodeos. Yep, he had a fair head start. I actually stayed there that Christmas and John had talked me into staying. He said, well, why don't you stay? And, you know, you've got enough money one now to get into these rodeos, you know. So I stayed that Christmas and then we started the year in 2000 and then I had a really good year in 2000 and then I ended up 16th in the world. Oh, I missed the NFR by six or $700. Oh, was it that close, was it? Yeah. Yeah, right. I thought at that stage that, you know, a lot of people would be disappointed, but I was disappointed, don't get me wrong, but on the other side of it, I thought, well, you know, you're mixing it with them, so you had to sort of take a few positives out of it there. Absolutely. And you made the finals the very next year? Yeah, I made the finals in 2001, yeah. I come home for Christmas after 2000, then I went back and, you know, made the finals the following year, yeah. That was massive, mate. I remember watching it. That was massive. Tell me, mate, what would you say is the best bronc you've been on or, or the best ride you ever made in your career? Oh, the toughest horse I ever reckon I got on was a horse called Smokey of Kessler's. I remember that one. I only ever drew the horse once and threw me off, but I just thought the horse was really, really, you know, like it's probably underrated, I thought. But in saying that, I got on a lot of the great horses, you know, like Mojo of Franklin's. I was lucky enough to ride and then, you know, Shady Cat of Kessler's. You know, I got on Airwolf. I got on, we got on Wildcard. I got on Dunny of Sankey's, you know what I mean? I, and, and it probably rolls on a bit. I was lucky enough to get on a lot of the great horses. What about the day you got on Dementia? Yeah, well, Dementia was a horse that uh, I actually had him at Spanish Fork when he was probably a four-year-old and I was second on, at the radio on him. And then I drew him the next year at Cody and I was sort of really happy to have the horse drawn. But anyhow, he had a different plan for me because he threw me off that day and threw me off really hard. I remember running into you afterwards somewhere. I said, how'd it go, Doug? And he said, he stood on me with one foot and he kicked me with the other three. Well, it's pretty true too, yeah. Ike Sankey's secretary at the time, I remember we turned up to a Sankey radio the next time and she said, please never ever do that again. <laughs> well, I did a night in intensive care the day I got on dementia, so I think you got out of it pretty good. Yeah. Mate, tell us, the best bronc riders you ever went down the road with, I mean, you rodeoed in them. I mean, what an era. I mean, the tail end of the Etbowers, uh, Mortensen was at his strength, Glenn. Who are some of the best blokes you bucked down the line with? Oh, well, all them fellas, you know, they all come under that hat, you know, I suppose, you know what I mean? Like the Etbowers, Dan Mortensen, Glenn, Scott Johnson, you know what I mean? There were Jesse Bale, Tom Reeves, you know, the list goes on a little bit, but, you know, I, I know the kids ride so good today and I'm the biggest fan of them, don't get me wrong, but. I still idolise Billy Etbell. was one of the greatest I've ever seen. Yep. No, there's, there's, uh, there's only one Billy Etbell in there. Oh, definitely. I, you know, when I say that to a lot of people, you know, you get asked that question quite a bit. But not only was he just a phenomenal bronc rider, but as a person too, as you, and you'd know, you know what I mean, he's such a humble bloke and, you know, like he was a, such a gentleman, you know what I mean. And he's probably so good for the sport too, you know, in more ways than one. I always tell people, um, 
what's Billy Epbauer like? They, they'd say to me, i say, well, a bit like Daryl Kong with an American accent, just humble, gentleman and zero ego. Yeah, no, and I'd agree with that 100%. And Daryl Kong was the bloke that I got to meet after coming back from America and had a little bit to do with him at clinics and so on at schools. And, you know, he's probably a bloke that you would have loved to meet when you're 18. And I was the biggest fan of him still am today, you know. Yep. So what would you say was your biggest win, mate, when you look back at it? Oh, I don't know. I was lucky enough to win a lot of rodeos over there, like I won Greeley one year, I won Colorado Springs and Austin and Omaha and Austin. You know, I won a um, Bronco Riding match in South Dakota when I first went there in 2000. It was over three head and all the toughs were there, like Dan and Tom and Ty and, you know, and um, Glenn and Jono and everyone. And me and Glenn split that rodeo, actually, and that probably kicked me off, you know, a lot because, you know, you hadn't been to a lot of them really big rodeos and I reckon that sort of kicked me career along a bit, you know. Yeah, absolutely. What a shot in the arm when you leave there from a match in South Dakota going, well, I just butted heads with these blokes and I come out trumps. Yeah, like South Dakota, that's the home of the Bronco Riders in the world, you know, like yeah. that place is just, you know, like the Bronco Riders is produced, you know, like it's just phenomenal. I used to try not to enter there because it was too hard to win. <laughs> yeah. Mate, injury-wise, what would you say was your worst wreck? I broke my thumb really bad in Canada one year. I had a spiral fracture in, the, in my thumb. I was only helping Kyle Thompson on in the novice, actually, and I was looking out the back of the chute. There was a ruckus behind me, and as I turned around, the horse sort of reared up and struck me down the head and knocked me off the chutes. Oh, yeah, I landed on my thumb and broke my thumb really bad, but I kept riding with it. So, you know, I was probably lucky in a lot of ways, and then I, I broke my shoulder once, but. Injury-wise, you know, compared to a lot of blokes, and that's what a lot of people don't understand, some of the things that some people have gone through, like, you know, I know Scott Johnson, he broke his back in that plane crash going to the Cow Palace at the end of 99, and he overcome that. And then I, Glenn had two really bad broken legs, and, you know, he went to win, win the world on after that. So when you look at a lot of people's careers, I remember Darren Clark broke his ankle when we were there, and he kept riding, like, I was probably lucky in a lot of sense, like I broke my ribs and things like that, but, you know, nothing major. You always kept pretty fit. I always sort of compared you to a koala, like you could sleep better than anyone I ever met, but the one hour you were awake a day, you'd get out and train. Yeah, and I, you know, that was probably something that Dad instilled into me as a kid, you know what I mean, that what you put into it, you get out of it. And, you know, I always, you know, ran and skipped and so on and did stuff like that. Just a lot of cardio stuff, but, you know, I suppose that that was your mindset, you know what I mean? If you put something into it, you'll get something out of it. There was a point in time when on souped-up hoppers, and that's a bit of a bronc rotten term, but, but on good horses you want to draw, I thought Adam Newman was the best in the world. He could turn his toes out and spur horses higher in the neck than anyone. That ride you did at Calgary that year, I think you won the round on Firecracker of Kessler's. To me, that's, that's awesome bronc riding right there. Yeah, he was a good horse and there was a bit of a story to that because I used to love Calgary. I, I don't know, that was my favourite rodeo in the world. I remember the day we turned up there, we turned up on a Tuesday and they said to me that Adam, your horse is not here. And I just made a joke of it because we used to muck around and joke, obviously, and then I said, yeah, well, I actually heard Greg Kessler was, his truck had broke down and he was last spotted leading Firecracker and paid his miles past the ranch when I was tell, but he was on his way. When the joke broke down, that was true. My horse wasn't there at the rodeo. 
the Kesslers were due to come there on the Tuesday. Got their days wrong, didn't they? They got their days wrong, yeah. Well, did you hang around there and they ran him up another day for you? Yeah, well, I remember sitting there after I'd found out what had actually happened. I said to Glenn, what do I do here? And Glenn goes, I'd cause as much shit as you can. And anyhow, I remember being out the front and I went out and seen Winston Bruce and I got on really good with Winston Bruce and I thought, well, this is going to test our friendships. I said to Winston, how does this work, Winston? I said, you know, we had one of the best horses drawn in Canberra. He had rodeo on. I said, now they're going to put us on re-ride horses to Harry Vowles. And anyhow, Calgary Stampede probably had the egg on their face, you know what I mean? Like, this is the biggest rodeo in the world and the horses haven't turned up. Yeah. So Winston was kind enough and he said to me, well, I've got a rodeo to run at. And I took respect in that, you know what I mean? Like, and then what they offered us, they offered us re-ride horses and then they come up with the idea, well, if you weren't happy enough with the score on your re-ride horse, you could wait till your horse that you were drawn for the following day. And then how it all unfolded, I'd, I had an NFR horse drawn in Vernal, Utah or somewhere the next day and I had to meet with Calgary Stampede after the performance and then I had to ask them permission, could they hold me horse back to the Thursday? And they'd ring the Kessler family and the Kessler family had to agree to hold it back to the Thursday and then we went out and worked that rodeo and then come back and then, yeah, got on that horse on the Thursday. And won the round. Yeah, and I was lucky enough to win the round on him, but, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome, mate. So, um, mate, I've got to ask the obvious question. Do you miss it? Oh, not really. In saying that, I probably couldn't be any further away from rodeo than, you know, and once upon a time it was your, you know, your life and that's all you thought about. And now I couldn't tell you who's won the last 10 Australian pro titles, you know what I mean? I'm so far away from it, but I suppose you just move on in life and chase other things. But um, in saying that, I, I keep in contact with a lot of people, you know, that I'd rodeo with and so on. But as having anything to do with actual sport, I couldn't be any further away, really. Yeah, life goes on, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, not that, you know, I don't like him or anything. I just, I just don't have much to do with it anymore, yeah. Oh, well, you did it once, Adam, and you did it right. And, um, mate, uh, you're a favourite amongst all the bronc riders over in the States in the locker room. Adam Newman's a very liked and respected name. Tell you, folks, if you ever meet this guy, Adam Newman, and you have a beer with him, you will see a very funny side to this man. So, Nug, I want to congratulate your career, mate. And um, I hope you just keep winning life like you always have. So, um, mate, thanks for your time this morning, Adam. No worries at all, mate. Thanks for giving us a ring. Cheers, Nug. See you, mate. Thanks to our sponsor, Horse Records. I'm Caitlin Hewitt, the founder and co-host of From the Saddle. I started this podcast because I knew important stories from rural Australia weren't being told. We hear stories of triumph and tenacity, heartache and loss, from rodeo riders, outback ringers, cattle traders, bronze sculptors, and more. From the Saddle is an independent podcast. It's just us telling stories that matter to our community, and we are so stoked that nearly 100,000 people have joined us for the ride. We're looking for partners this season to help tell these stories because we think they're worthy of being told. They're a part of our history and possibly our future. If you're interested, we'd love to hear from you.